Danganronpa is Jason Todd. Geekscape Games Podcast. This is level 58. Another week passes and still no Black Ops 3 review. Fuck you, Derek. I'm working on the review, okay? I just, as funny as that show title is, it's not a joke <laughs> at this point. It's not a joke. It's not a joke. Um, the joke is how long it's taking to put together. And I have, when we get to like the Like, this review is taking longer to put together than the next Call of Duty game is. <laughs> Point it's, it better be like novel, like a novel, novel um, size. It's it's MLA format, five paragraphs. Introduction, topic, 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 outro, bibliography. But That's it. Like it should be the longest review that has ever been on Geekscape <laughs> based on the amount of time that it's taking. Um, <laughs> hey, when I was doing my Brony breakdowns, they were averaging 2,000 words a piece. And that was great for the three weeks that you did it. Three weeks? <laughs> <laughs> what? I did 11 weeks. I didn't finish the season, but I did 11 weeks. I still, I still, I still want to do a podcast with our old, um, our old writer, Molly Mahan. We had an idea of doing a My Little Pony podcast called a, a horse and pony show. And horse was spelled W-H-O-R-S-E. Her idea. She was the horse and I was the pony. Didn't really go anywhere because she left us. She hates us. <clears throat> thought we were friends and family anyway uh this is the geekscape games podcast the number one video game podcast on the geekscape network i am joined with Derek kranevelt and josh jackson this is a super special super triple x unrated after dark edition of the geekscape games podcast it is I mean, currently it's winter so aren't we always after dark yeah but like after don't you remember that like that usa after dark thing that pamela anderson used to host i know josh probably does was that when stripperella was playing Yes, yes. They would just play like really like weird movies and Pamela Anderson would introduce them and her, her titties would be out. Um, but we are currently recording this uh, 10.44 p.m. Alaskan Standard Time, 11.44 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. So we are going to go... Sorry. This, is, this podcast is actually going to span two days. That is, that, is, that is a first in podcast history. We, we have a world record for... The only podcast to span two days. We Guinness. also have a world record for making stupid shit up, apparently. Oh, come on. Because that's what you're doing right now. Why Why do you bust my balls constantly? I thought you were my... I'm just, I'm just trying to put you on the right path. And in the pre-show... You based were... on, which, based on the pre-show conversation, <laughs> you could not be further from. <laughs> so there was a Nintendo Direct today. Um... And I feel like the best bit of news to come out of that is we... No, was it Nintendo Direct or was it a Smash Direct? Well, it's the same thing. Okay. Well, it was a Smash-centered Nintendo Direct. Um, we have... The, the press release is really confusing. It says three new fighters, two of them are new fighters, and the last one is more information on cloud. Um, Josh, tell us about it, because when I saw the picture in the press release, I I fired up the coming on uh, Amiibo subreddit, I was ready to post. <laughs> Too bad you're going to have to wait till probably about February or so to get your hands on that one. I think hey, they said what? March. Oh, March. Yeah. You know oh. what? That's a good time to save up a nice load. Gross. <laughs> Doesn't it stop after you're a while? You're fucking terrible. No, it's no wonder nobody listens to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I stopped listening to it. That's why I stopped showing up sometimes. <laughs> 
Tell us about Smash Direct. Okay, so the Smash Direct, um, it's the one that they were promising is going to be the last Smash Direct ever, which no one really knew what that meant because people are pointing out that that doesn't necessarily mean we're not getting any more characters, but just that that's the last Smash dedicated Direct we're getting. However, Sakurai did confirm that the characters announced today were the final DLC characters. So after this, there will be no more characters releasing, which is why a lot of people were anxious, because, especially because of the Smash ballot. So, you know, a lot of people are hoping for old characters like Snake or Wolf to come back. Other people are hoping for more indie characters like Shantae or Shovel Knight, especially with Shovel Knight getting his own amiibo. And then others were hoping just for other Nintendo All-Stars like uh, Inklings or Toad. But we ended that up was, not getting... That was the... Um, uh, sorry to step on you. Um, uh-huh. That was the one thing that I saw in like, all the comments was um, w- where the Inklings. Like they were... They thought that, that they were a shoo-in because it was such an amazing title this year. Well, no, no, no. I, I, from the beginning, was saying that the Inklings wouldn't make it even though I really wanted them to. And the reason is because they still need big characters to sell a full sequel with. And considering that, considering that Nintendo, you know, they don't typically release, like they do release new IPs, but it's not like, it's rare that they like release multiple new IPs within the same generation. And considering how popular Splatoon is, that's something that they would probably want to save as a selling point for a, for a full on sequel as opposed to just DLC. Plus there's already inkling costumes for the Miis, so... I feel like they think that that's already covering it to an extent. Mm-hmm. But um, what we ended up getting was, and I can't—I I keep forgetting the character's name. That's how unremarkable it was. What was the Fire Emblem character? Uh, a guy named Corin from the upcoming Fire Emblem gay or g- girl. G- game, huh? Or girl? Well, no, 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 uh, no. The character was named Corin from the upcoming Fire Emblem game. Don't know right. the gender. Could be gender both, fluid. Both genders. Like, yeah, it could be gender fluid. We don't want to trigger anybody. Based on the <laughs> costume, it's different gender, I believe. No, yeah, it's the same as Robin and We Fit Trainer, where um, a set of the costumes are for the female version and a set of the costumes are for the male version, since it's, I believe, is going to be another custom character when the actual Fire Emblem game releases. So, on one hand, a lot of pe- a lot of people on the internet, when they first saw that, were really upset, because at this point, Fire Emblem has six reps and if you break it down based off of the rest of the roster, Legend of Zelda has five, oh, wow. Pokemon has six, and then I think Mario has seven. So Fire Emblem is tied as having the second, as ha- being the series with the second um, highest representation. That's crazy. And, you know, Fire Emblem received a big boost in popularity after Fire Emblem Awakening came out, but a lot of people still feel it's nowhere near Pokemon and Mario, let alone being above Zelda at this point. Especially because what, uh, a lot of what, the characters play similarly. And go ahead. Uh, um, uh, what title has the most characters represented? I would say the Mario universe, but but I don't know. Um, oh no, yeah, it's Mario with. I think it's Mario, Luigi, Peach, Bowser, um, Mario, Yoshi, um, and then Doctor Mario. Is Yo- Yoshi's not? Is Yoshi? Yeah, Yoshi's in the game, right? Yeah, Yoshi's in the game, okay. and then. And then there's, even though it's like loosely because he has his own series, there's Wario and then Bowser but, Jr. Yeah, so, okay. Well, that makes sense. <laughs> but uh, I feel like after the initial reaction, a lot of people started warming up to Corin because of how unique um, his or her playstyle is. Where, you know, all the other Fire Emblem characters are, have been sword wielders. I mean, Robin has represented the spellcaster side of it, but he still uh, combines that with a sword. Mm-hmm. But Corin 
Corrin has like this chainsaw sword looking thing that do- that seems like it combos more than the other characters attacks. Plus, he has the ability to transform into a dragon. Well, so, hello. Uh, so like a lot of his attacks will have him transform either part or all of his body into a dragon to like launch these really strong looking attacks. And he actually transforms his arm into a lance, which is another because if you're unfamiliar with Fire Emblem, it's basically like rock, paper, scissors, where like I think if I remember correctly, it's like lances beat swords, swords beat axes and axes beat lances or something like that. But out of every Fire Emblem character that's been shown, it's always just been swords. So the fact that he uses a lance and can push can attack from a really long range and can push items with with his lance and all that stuff combined with the dragon transformations kind of seem to turn a lot of people's opinions around despite you think he's a pretty, dis- ver- a pretty versatile character yeah um okay. i mean there was there's still a level of disappointment since um since corin is one of two characters that are going to be the final dlc characters and there's still a lot of people who aren't represented but you know seeing how creative the character looks i feel like the opinion starting to turn around especially because this is obviously like an effort to promote the next fire emblem game which releases around the same time as this dlc is supposed to come out in february is is now is that a sakurai game or is that a different company uh no it's intelligent systems who does like advanced wars fire emblem i think they did paper Mar- yeah i think they do paper mario did they, they did uh steam something codename steam codename steam right um and i think the puzzle league games which have nothing to do with the rest of them. But but then on top of that, the big, and then of course they had new costumes and stuff. They've released a Gino costume where I feel like people have been begging for Gino to be playable since melee. But again, I feel like they, I feel like Nintendo feels that putting in a costume is good enough. So we got a Gino costume for the Miis on top of the Chocobo hat, which was already kind of shown off when cloud was announced. Who's Gino. And and I, and and I I admit, I have not had a, a chance to, watch the direct so who the fuck is gino oh gino is the star spirit that in from mario rpg who like who puts his spirit into a doll to help them fight the um the bad guy from that game so that his that character is technically owned by square enix but um but now that square and nintendo are back on good terms people have like been begging for him to be playable because he has a lot of really interesting attacks and he's like a Mario character that's nothing like any other Mario character since he's exclusive to an RPG. And and much to our our uh, estimate or estimate or, or you know whatever 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 adjective you want, um, Cloud is getting an amiibo. And, and, and at least <laughs> I think it I was thought... only you that didn't think that was going to happen. <laughs> well, Juan agreed, and Juan's not here by the way. In case anybody you know, he's kind of quiet in the beginning, um, <laughs> but. Granted, I had a fairly, you know, intelligent response behind it, so. Oh, yeah, but they confirmed that Cloud's getting an amiibo as well as Corrin. And the final character that they released, uh, uh, which was Bayonetta. So I know, according which, to... which, which made me so hyped because that's one of my favorite Wii U games. And it's, it's, it's really odd to see such a, a character that was so obviously sexualized um, when her first game came out. And then the second game came out, everybody was super surprised that it was a Wii U exclusive to see a character who I mean and let's let's call a spade a spade she's tits and ass uh, incarnate so to see her in Smash Bros the you know all ages brawler fighting game it's I find it interesting I think it's a really interesting juxtaposition from all the other characters right and I mean she but she has such a creative moveset too I feel like she fits right in in terms of in terms of like her playability um one of the, in, I really love the way they did the trailer, by the way, where they, 
set the whole thing up as a conflict between Bayonetta and Pit since she fights since she fights angels throughout her game. Mm-hmm. And uh, like the stage they showed off for her is basically the first stage of Bayonetta 2 where you're fighting on the falling pieces of the clock tower. Um, her final smash is basically her mega megaton attacks. Her um, like her actual stage has like that big I don't remember what the name of it was, but you know what I'm talking about that big face like with the wings like attacking yeah. you while you're falling down. Yeah. Um, okay. I, I don't have a name for it either, but I don't yeah. And just everything from her having a counter for her witch time, which slows down the opponents for a short amount of time, just like in Bayonetta. And she has her gun attacks combined with her like summoning attacks where it seems like all of her smash attacks are just summoning like the demon limbs. Like it seems like they're really going to represent her well. And plus you get two different uh, costumes with her too, where she has the long hair from Bayonetta one and the short hair from Bayonetta two. So, I mean, I feel like, I feel like they ended the smash DLC on a high note with Bayonetta. According to Sakurai, um, they picked her from the smash ballot because she uh, was number one in Europe and she was in the top five in the United States. And she was the highest, she was the most requested character from all three major regions combined that, and I felt like this was interesting the way they worded it, but they mentioned that she was, High, the most requested character out of characters that they could actually secure. So it makes me wonder, like, who actually uh, was above they, her if it was like Goku or something stupid. Where the, it was like the, um, I think the like actual terminology was the number one character that was realized was like the legalese that they use because I know that um, Rayman got a bunch of bunch of play. Um, Snake got a bunch How of. How the play. hell is Rayman not in there? I know, well, right? Ray- and, Rayman, Wait, wasn't he, there even a Rayman trophy in one of the games? No, yeah, he's in the, Rayman and Globox are both in this one as trophies. That's crazy. Like, I just it seems crazy that they wouldn't uh, that he wouldn't be in a, have have been an uh, addition at some point. Yeah, I was kind I, of I, expecting him to be in, but not like as a, like a kind of as a, a pipe dream. But yeah, but uh, um the the big the big like I don't know breadwinners or, or leaders um was uh, Rayman Snake. Banjo Kazooie was something that everybody was wanting, and uh, fucking Goku was all over the fucking place. Because, but <laughs> that's never gonna fucking happen. So those yeah. are those are four characters that were. I would be surprised if they weren't because I I voted for Goku because <laughs> I was like, <laughs> fuck it, let's see what happens. I voted for Snake, um, but uh, obviously, you know, the the Banjo Kazooie one, rare Microsoft. Microsoft's not gonna do shit with their own properties. Kochi, you never, uh, you never know though, because you like there was a Viva Pinata game on the 3DS. Yeah, there was a ga- there was a Banjo Kazooie game on the Game Boy Advance after Microsoft had already bought them up too. So it's not oh, completely really? unheard of. They had a Mech Assault game on the DS. Really? So yeah. So like, and especially me, like Banjo is a you know he's he's more so even though the most recent releases have been on Microsoft consoles, I think he's still more associated with Nintendo than anything. Right. Yeah, and that's True. why he like and Banjo was the same as uh as the last one we were talking about where I felt like it wasn't likely to happen, but I wouldn't have been super shocked if it did at the same time. But that'll be that'll be something more down the road if like if or when the new Smash Brothers comes out, what they're gonna do with it. But I mean what do you guys think after now that all the DLC's over with and said and done, do you think we got a good variety of characters to buy, or do you think there are any glaring omissions? I mean, uh, I think the fact that I, the fact that we got any characters is something to be excited about because, of course, <clears throat> you know this whole DLC thing is still something that's fairly new to Nintendo. Uh, 
So I'm happy that the roster got expanded at all. Um, you know, of course, everyone has their favorite characters and those are the characters that they want to have seen in there and probably not all of them, if any are, but I think we just need to be thankful that they were able to do anything. Uh, and I'm actually glad that it's over because, because <laughs> it's less amiibo for me to buy once this uh, collection <laughs> is complete. Don't worry. They're coming out with like two more waves of animal crossing ones to hold you over. I'm, I have, I'm not into the animal crossing ones though. Oh, like the, well, physical, the, the, the statue amiibos or the cards? Both. I haven't bought any Animal Crossing amiibo. Whoa. Well, it's just like I've played Animal Crossing for all of 40 minutes. But Isabella is so cute. She was cute. I almost bought one, but then I was like, if I buy one, you know, that's how I started with Re- the Smash series. I was like, oh, I'll just buy Mario. And then the next day I had like seven more. Uh, so I, I cannot let myself do that again. <laughs> Unless it's a line that actually you know i with games that i've actually played what if they start releasing right. a oh shit i was trying to figure out what your favorite game series was but i forgot because i obviously don't care about, about fire you. emblem <laughs> yeah i um but you asked um do you think everybody was fairly represented um i have to say that i think fire emblem is overly represented there's a huge saturation of that franchise and the characters all uh, at least for me and i'm a very very casual smash player they all feel kind of the same right so so the only thing i have to say in regards to smash being so so massively represented is that i think that we need to remember as well that this is you know smash brothers is a worldwide phenomenon and while we may not understand the inclusion of so many smash uh, excuse me so many fire emblem characters here in north america like fire emblem is an insanely popular series in japan is it not I don't oh, think yeah. it's, I mean, it's popular, but I don't think it's like <clears throat> hugely popular. Okay. Then forget everything I just said. I'm going to look, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to look up sales numbers in the, the different, um, regions just to see. So go. I actually remember, I actually remember reading that they had somewhere that it was rumored that if fire emblem awakening didn't do well, that they were just going to stop producing the series. Oh, really? Yeah. I, but I, I don't know who said that, but no, as far as me, like, the only thing I'm disappointed about with in terms of the DLC is that it didn't really have a lot of new Nintendo representation. Like all of the Nintendo characters that were added were old characters that got cut mm. and all of the brand new characters are all third party outside of Corin. But again, like I was talking about with the Inklings, I feel like they're probably saving a lot of the big, like hard hitting Nintendo characters for an inevitable sequel to try to get people excited for that. Cause who knows if they're going to even be able to secure, or if they're even going to want to secure clouds, your clouds and your, um, in your, well, Sonic, I feel like is going to stay around, but like, who knows if they're going to have all these third party characters like cloud or Bayonetta in sequels, totally. or if this is like a one-time thing. Totally. So, uh, according to Wikipedia, the book of knowledge, as of September 30th, 2015, the three DS version has sold 7.37 million copies worldwide. The Wii U version has sold 4.03 million copies worldwide. There is no delineation between regions, and I'm going to try to separate that, but that's a, that's a fuck ton of fucking units. Like, Jesus tits. Are you talking about Smash Brothers as a whole? Yeah. What else, okay. what else would I be talking about? Are you I talking thought you were looking at Fire, Fire, Fire Emblem. No, Smash Brothers. Why? We were, we were talking, we were about, talking Fire about Fire Emblem. Emblem. That is true. Okay, all right. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's about all there is to say about the direct whoops and clouds available right now correct yeah i was playing with him earlier he's actually really he's actually really fun to use oh shit is he yeah Fuck. well i know what i'm gonna do after this pot ah damn it no like my wallet got stolen last weekend 
So <laughs> why do you need why do you need your wallet to buy stuff on your 3DS because or Wii U? Credit card? You just need a password. But credit card. Have you ever bought anything on your Wii U before? I had to cancel my lost credit card. Oh, you canceled your card. Never mind. <laughs> that's my mm-hmm. So you haven't got a new card yet? No. Oh, it was last okay. Friday. That's that's plenty of time. For Wells, Wells Fargo. <laughs> I don't know how banks of- work in the States, but... <clears throat> anyway. <laughs> anyway. Uh, I, I'm, I'm hype about Bayonetta. I think she's an amazing character. Uh, speaking so- of hype. Speaking of hype. Um, and we talked about this weeks ago, and we talked about it last... Was it last week or the week prior with the Game Awards? That was the week prior. Uh, we talked about it last week as well, I think. But... <clears throat> in any case... Any case, uh, uh, I'll let, I'll, you know what? I'll let you do it, Derek. Okay. No, go ahead. Okay, I will. So, <laughs> so anytime, after, just feel free to start. So after a crazy 2015 and that insane bullshit at the Game Awards a couple of weeks ago, uh, cannot excuse me, Hideo Kojima's contract with Konami officially expired today, um, and early this morning. Uh, there was news, no, sorry, not news, but rumors from a Japanese financial publication that he had, that Kojima had already formed a new studio and that he was in talks with Sony Computer Entertainment in regard to publishing whatever he and his new team uh, would craft next. Uh, things were pretty quiet throughout the day. And then actually just about an hour and a half ago, um, Sony posted a video on their official PlayStation YouTube account with uh, Andrew House, uh, speaking in Japanese, actually, he's actually he, he speaks Japanese very fluently from the video. But uh, Was it, wasn't he like a um, a translator for uh, Nintendo? Was oh, he? Oh. I, do, I do not know. Like I think he was like doing like E three presentation translations. Uh, I don't know that that would explain it though for sure. Uh, anyways, he confirmed he was sitting with Kojima and he confirmed that basically Kojima Productions has been reformed with a badass new logo uh, and that their first game. And possibly further games. Uh, in, in any case, he's they, they've started a, a relationship with Sony Entertainment, and Sony would be publishing uh, their next game. Nothing announced at this point, but the fact that it's happening and the fact that Hideo Kojima is free uh, is pretty exciting and incredible. Um, it was actually a little bit it was a little bit sad when I was writing this up because when I went into WordPress to link like a past Kojima thing, and I searched. Uh, and I search Kojima, like the things that pop up are just heartbreaking. Like you see like, like an, an article about silent Hills being announced. And then there's another article about like how there was an interview where they Kojima basically said, we want this next silent Hill game to make you shit your pants. And then the next article silent Hills canceled. And, and it broke my heart a little bit doing that again. But the fact that he's away from Konami now and, started his own studio where he should have more freedom and, and with Sony backing him, this should be pretty freaking huge. Um, he looked a little bit thin and sad in the video, so I don't know how long <laughs> Konami's had him caged up, but I'm glad that it's out <laughs> at this point. I'm going to check out his official website. And the logo, they, they have like a, a new, really cool new logo. It's kind of like a, a very interesting looking skull that's almost inside of like a knight slash mech helmet or something like that. Um, in any case, they, they do, I, I saw on Twitter just before the show started that, uh, IGN has an exclusive interview with Kojima being published at 3 PM Pacific tomorrow. 
uh, which I'm really looking forward to. I'm, I, I don't know if that's just going to be in regards to this new Sony partnership or if it'll have, you know, if, if he'll be able to speak about what happened with Konami or anything like that, but, um, it should be really interesting. And that's hitting IGN tomorrow at three o'clock. Um, that'll be really interesting. Um, do you mind if I read his official statement? Go for it. Um, we are homo ludens, uh, that is Latin for those who play. From the moment we enter this world, we instinctively invent ways to have fun and share our inventions with those around us. We are not asked to do this, nor do we need reason to create. It is simply who we are. We find one another and compete with another. We laugh together and cry together, all while playing together. Our experiences bind us and liberate us. To share our most valuable experiences, we create stories, invent tools, and evolve the art of play. Play has been our ally since the dawn of civilization. Playing is not simply a pastime. It is the primordial basis of imagination and creation. Truth be told, Homo ludens are simultaneously homo faber, those who create. Even if the earth were stripped of life and reduced to a barren wasteland, our our imagination and desire to create would survive beyond survival. It would provide hope that flowers may one day bloom again. The invention of play, our new evolution awaits. Kojima Productions, we are homo ludens, we are those who play. Hideo Kojima. So the only way that that could have been a better statement is if it had a hashtag fuck Konami at the very bottom. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um I'm I'm super excited to see what they do. I hope that at some point he teams up with um uh, Del Toro. Um I don't know that that so a couple of months after Silent Hills got canceled and I, I actually posted this up on Geekscape, but yeah, uh, in an interview Del Toro said that he will never work on another video game again. Because um, and ev- we did talk about it on the podcast, um, but oh, there is yes. there is one um, uh, cliff note to that is that uh, he still considers Kojima a very close friend and developed a great friendship with him. So that might be a little hyperbole. I mean, no, I, I hopefully I, I would absolutely love for a, some sort of collaboration to happen. Yeah. Uh, and it's interesting, like it's it'll be because I mean it's been a long time since Kojima worked on any sort of new IPs. Um, you know, since what was the last one? Like a Game Boy Advance game, wasn't it? I have I have no idea. Like a completely original IP? Yeah, it had something to do with vampires and yeah, that was Boktai. Boktai, yeah, yeah, right. th- like that, that was the one that you had to go out in the sun. Yeah, it with, had a right? it had a light sense, like a like a. It had a light sensor that didn't work. It was oh, it like, didn't work. I did oh, not realize that. Well, no, it it felt like it didn't work because I would play it in the sun, and of course, I'm in LA where there's sun out all the time, and it would say that I barely had any sun energy. But and it's then like I would smoggy stick- sun, isn't it? Like. <laughs> Not in you gotta have like sun sun (laughs) but then i would stick it in front of a light bulb and it'd be like full so okay well in any case i think that was his last original ip um i just spilled my vodka (laughs) in any case i think that was his last original ip so now so many years later and of course he's been so involved just with of course metal gear and the zone of the ender series since then uh, it'll be really incredible to see what he comes up with next and what his team comes up with next. Um, I don't know. I'm just I, I'm just happy he's he's free and is able to start working again. In any case, uh, do you think we're gonna get a Boktai too? Well, no, we actually got a Boktai three. <laughs> yeah, there was there has have been other Boktai, and isn't that a Konami franchise still? Yeah, yeah. So we're never seeing it again. It'll be a pachinko, a pachinko machine pachinko. that only works yeah. in the light. <laughs> <laughs> um. Uh, quick, quick, interesting, uh, quick, interesting. Is that grammar? Uh, quick, um, uh, headline, um, dead or live extreme, not coming to West due to quote, cultural differences says Sony boss. 
Um, and there's a, uh, let me see if I can get the exact quote. Um, uh, it's, uh, what the hell's his name? Uh, Shuhei Yoshida. He said, uh, it's due to cultural differences. The West has its own thinking about how to depict women in games media, which is different from Japan. Speaking personally, if it is representation of acceptable to the general people in Japan, I wouldn't be concerned about it in Japan. It's a difficult problem. Um, and he was asked in an interview about another game. He said, I love Dragon's Crown, but that title got some criticism and I got extremely low points in some reviews. And um, another quote, uh, wait, no, that's just hyperbole. So um, it's, it's obvious that at this point, um, there was a lot of speculation and we talked about it a few weeks ago that the game was um, left out because... Uh, I, my thesis was that it was left out because it was just bad. Uh, it just didn't sell well, but their official statement is, we are worried it's going to get a whole bunch of fucking bullshit over here. Um, and that, you know... But it absolutely would, wouldn't it? But, like, two other DOA Extreme games came out, and there was hardly any fervor. And I saw a really funny, like, YouTube video. I'll try to link it in the show notes. But it was, um... It, uh, it was, like, uh, it was like 30 seconds long, and it said, games that are acceptable in the United States. And it was, like, um a scene from uh, Until Dawn about a dude getting his head ripped off, like a bunch of like just uh, crazy fatalities from Mortal Kombat, a bunch of violent shit. And then it was like stuff that's not acceptable in uh, American video games. And it was scenes from DOA X3. And, totally, um, totally. And it's... And then well, uh, and that's something that that's, edited uh, uh, Street Fighter Five intro that everybody's like pissing a fit over. And that, that's something that's extremely prevalent in film and television and stuff here too. It's like you can go... I mean, look at shows like The Walking Dead and stuff that's on basic cable. Like you can go as violent and as bloody as you want essentially. But if there, you know, is it, if there's to be any nudity or sexuality in it, it's like, you know, you're 18 plus like instantly. I'm, there's actually, a, there's a very interesting documentary about that uh, in the film industry called This Film Is Not Yet Rated from a number of years ago. Oh, is that what that film was about? It is. It's really interesting. Hmm. Well, um, all I know is that, like, all I know, and I've said this before, but the first DOA volleyball was amazing. The second one sucked, and I never played the PSP one. So, well, I'm I already, was, I've, I've already imported my DOA X3. So, oh, did you really? Mm-hmm. So it's like I kind of want to play it, but then I don't want to spend the extra money on an imported copy only to have it suck like the last one. So, but well, when I swear, I, I put like, I think I put like ninety hours in the here. first one. I'll send you my copy. Oh yeah, yeah. Deal? That'll be just in time for Comic Con, and then we can compare boners or something. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you we do that anyways, typically. But well, but usually I lose it as soon as Shane starts peeing on me. <laughs> God damn it! <laughs> all right, Josh. All right, all right. Why, why, why don't you why don't you leave the show now? What do you, what do you want to talk about this week? Um. Well, I wanted to make sure to bring up, as I meant to bring it up last week, and I completely missed out since I'm in a technological rut right now and can't access our notes but um i want oh, to make I sure do want to say about... i i mailed your what? charger i mailed your charger it oh, nice. came back to me for insufficient postage <laughs> oh my god <laughs> i was i was telling megan earlier i was like every person on the show owes me something but derek's derek's uh absolved and at least <laughs> and at least you tried shane but i was telling megan i was like derek owes me a mario amiibo shane owes me my uh, my um my laptop charger and Juan owes me my giant bag full of comic con stuff that I bought for other people that I haven't been able to give them yet. Cause Juan still has the bag. There's, there's always next comic con. Yeah. Right. Um, but yeah, well, I was talking about something. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> I wanted, <laughs> um, 
So uh, back at Tokyo Game Show, if you remember, I mentioned that Danganronpa 3 got announced, but they, aside from saying that it was going to be a new location with a new cast, uh, it didn't give any kind of hint at what the story was going to be about or if it was going to pick up after the last one or finish up the story that's been going on for pretty much every game since the game series started back on PSP. But it was announced that there is going to be a Danganronpa 3, but not the game Danganronpa version 3. It's going to be Danganronpa 3 in the form of an anime. So if that doesn't sound confusing as shit, to you then good job because it would confuse the hell out of me at first (laughs) but basically what's happening is that essentially just to paraphrase what was stated by the creators that there was that they couldn't finish the story in a video game because it wouldn't make really make sense to put the same characters from the previous games into the same scenario of like trying to escape the school or trying to escape whatever scenario it is and being forced to kill each other because Basically, they've been through it already, and there's really nowhere to go, nowhere else to go in terms of that route. So rather than make it a video game, they're going to finish up the story of the series so far in this anime. And they've confirmed, they confirmed that they're bringing back a slew of characters that were in the first game that didn't end up making it into the sequel. But basically, the new actual video game that they announced at Tokyo Game Show is going to start with a completely clean slate. And aside from Monokuma, who's essentially the mascot of the franchise, um, the characters and story in the video game are going to be completely different since they're wrapping up the storyline in the anime. So for me, it's weird because there's still a lot of loose ends to tie up in the story that I was looking forward to playing. And I agree that it doesn't really make sense to make it into a video game, at least in the same genre as the series typically is in, because... Like they were saying, it's kind of unrealistic to keep putting these same characters in the same scenarios and have it play out the same way each time. But like at the same time, it just feels weird that to be so invested in these characters and invested in what's happened so far, especially because the spinoff that released back in September just kind of created more questions than giving compared to the answers that it gave in terms of like the the um, like twists and stuff that were unresolved in the second one. And now that it's going to be anything specific that that pops out to you that you think is going to be like over overlooked or something that you're frustrated with? Um, it was just because, and I'll try to keep this as spoiler free as possible, but I don't know if it matters. Cause I don't know if anyone. Danganronpa plays Danganronpa. and Jason Todd. Yeah. <laughs> no, but so basically like the long story, the long and short version of it is that in the first game, it was revealed that some other class went crazy and killed a bunch of people. So then your class was kind of put into like a protective custody kind of thing. But then for whatever bullcrap reason, you all lost your memories and you kind of uncover that as you play. And then in the second game, you play as a completely different cast. But then it turns out that the people that you were playing as in the second game were the students who killed everybody and kind of started all the bullshit that ends up ah. screwing up everything for in the first game. And that one ends with the characters kind of being reformed and the, uh, and the characters in the first and second game kind of banding together to hopefully fight off like the big bad guys of the game and then like the the spin-off that came out earlier this year took place in between both the first and second game so like the cast of part two were still evil or whatever but you don't get to they don't actually show any of them throughout the entire game except for their leader who they show like at the very end for like five seconds so there's still all of that 
backstory that's unexplored on top of all of the events that the ending of part two alluded to. And it's like, they, I feel like they have to like address both of those and reach a satisfying conclusion in, in like anime form. And that's why I just, so after being so invested in it, it's, I understand why, but it's really disappointing that I know I'm not gonna be able to play it. I'm just gonna have to be a passive, like observer of the story being wrapped up instead of being able to take part in it. Hmm. Now, um, are, are you, hello? Hello? Here? Danganronpa. Yeah, I'm here. I'm here. <laughs> um, are you are you going to consume the anime, or are you uh, like mad enough to stay away from it? Oh no, I'm not terribly mad. Um, slightly disappointed, but and I'm I'm going to watch it as soon as I can, and then when it comes All out right. officially, I'll buy it, and oh. then I'll run, jump up and down around Comic Con, screaming Danganronpa. Unless it's bad, then you're going to want to stay away from it. Then I'm just going to be shuffling my feet around Comic Con, going Danganronpa. <laughs> Uh, Derek, I think anything? Jonathan confused so many people. Yeah, that, that, uh, in, in case anybody doesn't know, um, John listened to our podcast, The Glorious Leader, the host of the second video game podcast on the Geekscape Network. It's not uh, the second. Yes, it is. <laughs> I wish we were second instead of third <laughs> of, of three podcasts. Did you see my email where I listed you as my fifth beneficiary? I did, yes. That was funny, yes. It was funny, I laughed. Yeah, good. All right. Did you ever help Nathan Drake with his ticket? No. Did you send in an email now? Yeah. Inside jokes. Um, but uh, our glorious leader, Jonathan London, um, just loved when Josh went on Danganronpa tangent. So at Comic-Con, he, that was his... We always have like a, a, a word or a phrase. Um, in layman's terms, we have a group meme. Look up the definition of meme. The word was created in 1976. Doesn't mean what you think it means. Um, but John would just yell, Danganronpa especially when we were tired and you know exhausted. But he would yell that at people walking by the booth and nobody had a fucking clue what was going on. Sometimes like walking around outside on the streets, he would just yell it at a group of people and they would like look at him like he was crazy. And they, they were obviously not Comic-Con people. They were like there to like go get sunglasses or like, you know, go to the, the makeup store or sugar or something. And he'd be like, dang it, Rumpa! And be like, what the fuck is this lunatic doing? <laughs> it was amazing. Uh, Derek, what do you have this week that just... Um, piques your interest the most uh the coolest news that i saw so far this week that i haven't that we haven't talked about already is that uh crytech i believe it was crytech developing yep. it they didn't they announced a virtual reality title called the climb uh which is a virtual re- reality title that is set to bring alive the excitement and thrill of rock climbing in incredible virtual reality uh there's a trailer that's about all that they've they've released or talked about so far but um we'll link it in the show notes it looks pretty stunning and as i i'm very excited for next year because of course next year is the 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 year that the virtual reality stuff in its ready finished consumer you know sold to consumer form is is coming home and we'll be able to actually have all these experiences outside of comic-con you know we've many of us have done a variety of virtual virtual reality experiences at Comic-Con over the last few years. Including porn. Including porn. And they've all been absolutely stunning. And Mostly the porn. And I'm excited to be able to actually play, you know, most of them have been cinematic experiences. So you are in a 3D world watching a video or a movie happen or whatever. And so to actually 
be able to play games in virtual reality is going to be absolutely stunning. And um, there's a couple <laughs> in particular that I'm looking for. There's one called Adrift, which was supposed to be launching on PS4 as well, but is now yeah. an Oculus exclusive for next year. It basically which, which looks se- like seems like a really weird departure because they were really pushing the Morpheus on that. They were, yeah, and it so was uh, that. That makes me worried that the Morpheus API might be like inherently either a extremely difficult to develop for, or Sony wanted too much of a life. I mean, cut. my my main worry with Morpheus is it's just going to be like every other cool accessory that Sony develops for their platforms, where it has like five silly games and then they abandon it. True. Um. So that's my that's my main worry for Morpheus. But a drift, which essentially looks like Gravity. Um, the Alfonso Soron film from a couple of years back, but in video game Ooh, form, name dropping. Uh, which is incredible. Wait wait, wait, I like, wait, wait, you felt the need to like name drop the director, but uh, as if like anybody else would be confused with any other movie named Gravity. Is there, is there, has there ever been a movie named Gravity ever besides that one? That you- uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. So then what was, that, what was that precursor for? I, I have no idea. I, it, it didn't seem like a big deal until you called it out. <laughs> <laughs> in any case i'm looking forward to that and uh the climb looks stunning uh and there's a miley cyrus game uh, song called the climb <laughs> see, <laughs> see i should have prefaced that by you know the climb by crytek no relation um <laughs> but in any case it's weird the, super tangent super weird tangent the I'm way sorry, that vr messes with your brain and tricks you and some of these cinematic experiences have you jumping and you know there's a video from comic-con 2014 where shane did a uh, game of thrones uh cinematic experience with oculus and he is jumping at arrows that are flying at him and this is something that's not even overly interactive you're just looking around so you and know that, for and that i would like to say was like it was super low res like it looked like n64 graphics. it did not look great but it still tricks tricks your mind completely and i did it after you and i was doing the exact same thing but luckily not on what film. was what was that thing that um replaced the game of thrones it was um i uh, it was uh, it was Cajun, uh, or like i don't remember what it was called but it had uh it had you sitting in a wheelchair and there was it was kind of like a horror experience and you were sitting in a wheelchair being pushed through like a, this crazy silent hill-esque hospital uh and it was creepy as hell and there's a point in it where you the, the person that's pushing the chair lets go essentially and you just start rolling forward towards the staircase and then uh you go down the staircase and it's crazy how you're you're not moving at all but you your stomach shoots up into you know like shoots up when you as as soon as that tip happens and you start going down the stairs so for instance i'm not overly fond of heights you could say that i am afraid of them even to be able to to be able to to climb in a in a virtual reality game like this that's going to be scary as hell yeah and um, super cool for it's, it it's uh it's called catatonic and if you go to catatonic, catatonic right right catatonic.co um um you can uh, download it. Oh, it's downloadable. Yeah, it's a, it's a movie. Uh, and uh, it was um, by, I think it's by Asylum Films, or it just might be that it took place in a, I'm trying to read, like, because it, it was in the Wired Lounge, and Wired had a pretty interesting write-up on it. Anyway. Anyways, that's that, that was my... I, it's been a fairly slow week for news, and we've, I think we recorded on Friday last week, and it's Tuesday today, so it's only been a few days. Um... Yeah, but, but I, feel that, like I saw the- that I saw that trailer and I was like, wow, like this is going to be an amazing experience in VR. All right. Yeah, for sure. 
Yeah, um, one last thing uh, that I just want to like touch on super quick before we get into our mission objectives and the games. Games first, right? I've only been doing this show for a year. Um, there was a huge GTA 5 Online update, uh, patch 1.31. Not only do they add, like, they add a myriad of fixes, like huge fucking list of fixes. Um, they added a new game type called VIP, where people with a, a certain amount of uh, uh, money can be um, VIPs and run a like, crime organization. And they added a bunch of new apartments, um, new vehicles. They added like a super yacht that you can have, um, a bunch of new uh, helicopters. Uh, just, just an amazing amount of free content that I think uh, that Rockstar I feel has a, a really good touch on when to release this stuff, and they they probably hold on to it and say, okay, there's a like Fallout Four came out, all these other games came out, Call of Duty Blops Three came out. Very long time ago, but all these games came out. There's a lull. Let's and people are probably starting to wear off on those titles. Let's release a big fatty update to bring people back into GTA Online. Uh, and I feel like their release uh, schedule is very conscious. So check that out. There's a lot of really cool stuff if you're into GTA Online. Um, the Circuo Serve exclusive, like like it's a it's a word they made up. Seems pretty interesting uh, for the VIP stuff. Um, so what do you guys say we get into what we've been playing? Let's do yes, it. let's do it. All right, Josh, what have you been playing besides finals? Oh, um, <laughs> I took a little bit of time to fire back up um, Super Smash Brothers now that Cloud went live. And I have to say his play style is, like, is a lot of fun. I really liked the fact that it's like if you use his down B, it charges up his limit break. And then the more damage he does of the opponent, it charges up naturally. So once his limit break is charged up, each of his special attacks, like the next special attack you use will be like boosted in strength. And if you do a down B when it's when the limit breaks fully charged instead of charging it up farther, uh, further, it triggers. I don't remember the name of the attack anymore, but like one of his limit breaks that does like a whirlwind with his sword and it does low damage, but it has high launching power so it can KO people at low damage. Um, and then aside from that, like his sword attacks how much everything. how much is he how much is he he's well he's 599 if you buy him for one version um 699 if you buy him for um with both versions and then i think it was nine dollars and 30 cents if you bought him in a bundle with like all the new costumes and stuff Ugh. so um, I, and I i only bought the 3ds version because why did i buy the 3ds version because i've only played it twice because it came out earlier than the wii u version yeah and <laughs> kind of a sucker for smash bros right but then i think the most impressive thing about the total package is Derek, the are stage. you changing clothes what is that noise <laughs> that's not me i'm not moving oh no that was me my legs are cramping <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, like i've literally Derek. been sitting here for like five hours like doing work before this started but <laughs> anyway um <laughs> but like the most important part it sounded like somebody was like doing like warm-up stretches in a track suit <laughs> well, i wish i was stretching and my fucking legs are killing me i got something i'll stretch you out yeah <laughs> but yeah <My> anyway <laughs> but you know, today, I, like I, most... today i learned that we're 10 <laughs> <laughs> you mean just that was just today <laughs> 
But yeah, the most important, like, or the most impressive part of the pe- whole package to me was the Midgar stage. I got an that package with. for you. I, no, I don't think you do. It got returned to sender. But anyway. <laughs> um, in the Midgar stage, um, like, oh, randomly. No, my headphones came unplugged from the mixer. <laughs> I did not hear any of that. Oh, no, I, I just said it, it'll get returned to sender. Um, <laughs> but, um. No, uh, so like, so the mid. My dick stage, has plenty of postage. Where's it? <laughs> it's been all over the place. <laughs> is this still a games podcast? <laughs> it's like, what have we been playing? It might as well be your dick. At this point, any- <laughs> I'm done. I'm fucking done. <laughs> okay, so now that he's. So now, so now that he's gone, um, the Midgar stage. Oh my god! Um, the Midgar stage has materia <gasps> floating through the stage. Uh, I got materia. some material for you. Seriously, shut the fuck up. <laughs> no, but, so then, materia floats around the stage. Red materia, which is for summoning, and the first player to touch it after it lands will get control of a random summon that. Will either damage the stage or attack opponents, and it's just a. So really these cool are like touch. classic. These are like classic Final Fantasy summons. Yeah, they're, they're all the same models as were used in Final Fantasy. VII. Oh, nice! But like, say for example, Ifrit will push the stage with his flames. Um, Odin will cut the stage in half. Um, Leviathan will create a, like an ocean of water beneath the stage, and um, just different things like that. Bahamut, you know, summons his or shoots his giant beam that. Uh, chases after one of the opponents on the stage so i mean the way they did it i really feel like they gave it the attention it deserved and not only gave a a strong representation to cloud individually but the stage itself just kind of feels like it does a good job of representing final fantasy as a whole so and i apologize i was cracking up and my headphones fell out so the different summons are those are those stage um uh, like hazards or is that part of his final smash no, there's his final smash is Omni Slash, which looks a lot more like the Advent Children uh, Air Omni Slash than the actual Omni Slash from Final Fantasy VII. For those for the nerds out there who know what I'm talking about, but um, no, the summons are stage hazards. But Did they you just don't call affect- our listeners nerds. Do you realize this is a, a podcast on the Geekscape Network, the number one video game podcast? Yeah, of course, but not everybody knows Final Fantasy VII. True, I, I mean most people it. do, I but played it, <laughs> but um. No, the summons are stage hazards, but they're stage hazards that mostly do not affect the person who grabs the materia. Okay. And so if you're and since you said you never played Final Fantasy VII, I should explain materia were like items that gave the characters in your party abilities. So if you equipped the red materia, they were usually a summon so that they could summon a monster to help them fight, which is what these are. So like the way they did it was just really well done, I thought. And it's a really it was, fun it, it, is he it is he worth done. Uh, is he worth the five ninety nine? I think so. I think he comes bundled with the stage automatically too. So I feel like the character and the stage combined is more than worth it. But I might be wrong. But I'm when, pretty sure when, that they're bundled. When was the last character we had released? Was it Ryu? Uh, yeah, Ryu and Roy. I, I think and Lucas were all <coughs> released at the same time. I think. And that was in before Comic Con. Or yeah, that was at E3. Yeah, yeah. So because I I was in my old place then. So um. So uh, yeah, five ninety nine for about six months between. I th- I think is a pretty good pretty good price. Yeah, no, I think so. And like I said, 
Um, just everything about both the stage and the character are a lot of fun and really unique. So I feel like it's more than worth the money they're asking. All right. Anything else you've been playing or? Uh, no, that's pretty much it. The the finals game and it's fucking horrible. Have you gotten any grades back yet? No. I mean, I have A's and everything and I wish I could be like most of my friends and say, I don't give a shit if I get a B or C because then I wouldn't be stressing out. But I like really want these fucking A's. Fucking A. <laughs> Derek, um, Among the Sleep, what is that? And tell me all about it. So uh, Among the Sleep just launched. I may have gotten it early. It may have just launched. It may have just launched today. Hey, that's, that's, on the payback, to, that's payback for the Counter-Strike shit last week, right? <laughs> but that was boring. Did you just cock your pistol or something? <laughs> I'm American and I have dozens of guns on me at all times. Uh, in any case, I, I'm not, yeah, Among the Sleep came out today, I believe, on the PlayStation Network. Um, I've had very brief game time in the past week but I managed to put a little bit of time into it. It actually, it just came out on PlayStation, but came out on PC about a year ago. Um, it's a horror title, but it's very different than most that you would play. It's, it's a fairly new studio called Krill Bite Studio. Um, basically you're like a baby, like you're a little kid and, uh, it's this horror title that has you playing as a child and um, it's crazy how you think, you know, the controls and stuff are very different. Like you, you're, you're young and you can barely walk. So when you're walking around, you're quite slow for instance. So you can actually get on the ground and crawl and it's much faster than walking, which is pretty unique. Um, but it's very different in that you're, it's played through the eyes of a toddler. So the atmosphere is super unique because seeing through, you know, seeing the world through the, these eyes of someone that's only a foot or a couple feet tall, um, makes things that an adult would look at like nothing else scary. And, and he has this teddy bear that he carries around that interacts with it, excuse me, that interacts with the character. And actually like there's a mechanic in the game where if you squeeze the teddy bear, like you can hug the teddy bear and it, it emits a little bit of light. Um, so you can actually see a little bit through the darkness, uh, really atmospheric. They did a bunch of upgrades for the PS4 version as well. So they improved the graphics and sound, uh, made it run at full 60 frames per second, which I do not know that the PS4 version, uh, the PC version did. It's definitely, you know, it's not the greatest looking game around. It was definitely an indie title, um, but it has a very unique art style and it's creepy as hell. And, it's it's like $15 on the PlayStation Store, um, and I would totally recommend it. It's very unique. It's very different, and it's, you know, we're at a time where we haven't had a lot of great horror titles as of late. Um, it's a few-hour experience, and it's, uh, it's really cool. I can't wait to finish it. Um, I'll have a review up as soon as I do finish it, probably before Shane's Call of Duty review makes it up. So. Fuck you. Uh, fuck you. Fuck you knew that was coming. Home. You yeah, knew that was coming. I appreciate it. I appreciate it, though. Um, <clears throat> um, I had no idea what it was until you started describing it, but this game came out last year. Yeah, that's what I said. PC. Yeah. Well, yeah, but but I anyway. Um, yeah, it came a, out in May 2014 on PC and OS 10. There's a um, uh, there's a YouTuber that goes by the name of Brutal Moose. Uh, he's one of my favorite YouTubers, and he did a review on it. But um, and it, it might be better for you because um, I feel like you you appreciate horror games a little bit more than most people I know. Mm-hmm. Uh. uh but the ending might be pretty predictable or pretty lackluster. Like it, mm. um, and I, I, I want to bring this topic up as maybe a mission objective. Um, but uh, 
the um, and this is a super tangent, and we'll definitely bring it up as a mission objective in mm-hmm. the future. But uh, most people really appreciate the opening first two acts of a video mm-hmm. game, but the ending of a lot of video games people shit on. Uh, and the one that comes to mind a lot is Fallout Three. Everybody, I like you, the Fallout Three ending. Yeah, but it's um, it's like either go in and die. Um, uh, send somebody else. Oh, although it was stupid because I had my buddy at the time in Fallout Three was the super mutant who's obviously immune to radiation. So I was like, you know, the choice came up, and it was like, do you want to go in or do you want to send your buddy? And I was like, well, he's immune to radiation, so I'll just send him in. Everybody hated me because I chose let him go in instead of sacrificing myself. Well, um, I thought the ending was that Vault Boy is Jason Todd. (laughs) God damn it. Um, but, uh, I read, um, read an interview with somebody from Bethesda and this was specifically in regards to, um, Skyrim and I, I played a shit, shit ton of Skyrim, but I didn't progress the story at all. Um, but he, uh, somebody that worked on Skyrim and I might be paraphrasing significantly, but he said to the effect of most people, um, uh, hate the endings of our games because we spend so much time and effort in the beginning part of games because statistics show that people don't finish games, especially with something of a scope like Bethesda yeah, RPG. I can see that. So they spend a, like a majority of their time writing, planning, uh, designing the beginning one to two acts of a game and then kind of just phone in the ending like, okay, you know, we built this world that um, the majority of players are going to experience. Um, those Those few that are going to like play the game to the end. We'll just give them like, you know, a basic ending. I, I think we should talk about that um, as a future mission objective, but that's just something to, uh, something to chew on right now. There's been just, just to finish up on among the sleep. There's some really cool elements in the very early points of the game. Uh, like you're a toddler, of course. So, the in, in, at the beginning of the story you are a you're sitting at a table and your mom is feeding you birthday cake and then she leaves the room for a, just a moment but like the instant that she exits the room and the like the door to the kitchen closes or whatever like the room starts to get creepy and the the world starts falling apart because you know this one constant that you have as a child or in <clears throat> this child's case his mother is is now gone and so you know, everything gets far more, uh, you know, far, like the world turns angry and uh, it, it, it was a really unique. And then as soon as she walks through the door, it's just instantly perfect again. And it, it was a really cool like element in it. It's uh it's a really unique, it's a really unique game. I would definitely recommend it. All right. Uh, anything else you've been playing or is that pretty much? Your that was priority? it for, that was it for this week so far. Um, I've played, um, man, uh, what is that game that came out a couple of months ago? think somebody on our site was supposed to do a review for it um danganronpa yeah i've been playing danganronpa um no i um and this is gonna sound really fucking stupid and completely counterintuitive to a pc master race but played call of duty 3 because i bought it on the ps4 and played with my buddy dylan and we went through co-op story mode because has full um four-player co-op story mode does it have that split screen or just online uh, it's online, but um, he's you know thirty minutes away from me. So, but does it have a split screen? Was my question. It, yes, it ex- it exists, but we you can playing... you can do the co op, you can do the campaign split screen. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. I talked about it a few weeks ago. Oh, you weren't on that show. That's right. I thought I might have read. I thought I would have read a feature like that in in a review. Fuck you. 
Um, <laughs> uh, I bought it on the PS4 and I played a bunch with him. Um, uh, and I'm kind of, and I don't know if this is like my particular hardware because the graphics card on my computer is a couple release cycles old or my monitor is ancient as fuck and has a really shitty refresh rate and a very non-standard um, uh, screen resolution. But the frame rates on the PS4 were fucking phenomenal. Um, and I feel really disgusted saying that because I'm a PC Master Race individual. Um, but uh, granted, a lot of the uh, the textures and the anti-aliasing were very inferior, but the frame rates were perfect. Absolutely perfect. Um, we played uh, a shit ton of it. Almost finished the game. I feel like we almost finished the game. I have no fucking idea what the story is. It is a direct sequel to, to Blops 2. I did not play Blops 2. And I have no no idea what's going on. Like, I, I, you get your arms ripped off in the beginning. You become like a half robot. The guy from Law and Order SVU is there. Uh, Detective Stabler says like, you know, don't have sex with people that don't want to have sex. Otherwise, the sex police are going to come after you. No idea what's going on. I watched all the cutscenes. <laughs> I had subtitles. There was a guy that hooked himself up to a computer because he knew the truth. Never talked about ever again. Bunch of robots hitting you. Uh, a, a, a bunch of like Chinese people are after you or Malaysians or whatever Singapore is. I have no idea what's going on. All I know is... Sounds like get, life in Alaska. Exactly. <laughs> all I know is they drop you into a, uh, a board, a map, and you got to shoot the angry guys on the other side of the map. That's all I know. And and the whole time, like all these random cutscenes were going on, we were fighting a boss where he was a team. Spoilers, spoilers, Jonathan London, spoilers. Um, it's okay. The game's been out forever. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that was actually another joke as to the review that's not yet po- not yet posted. Yep. Um, but we started fighting a guy that was our old teammate that hooks himself up to like like a big computer because he knew the truth uh there was like did either of you ever play that bungee game oni no yes yeah do you remember the the deadly brain no okay so it was like this like the the first boss it was like a giant like organic computer that was a giant brain that the more you like took down its defenses it became more and more insane and look look it up like but you played oni um that's one of my favorite games by the way top five um so i equated it to like fighting the deadly brain from from oni and uh, my friend Dylan was like, oh, I need to step away for a minute right at the beginning of this boss fight. And I kept like throwing my, myself at the boss fight. But, you know, individually on this uh, upgraded difficulty, I kept dying. And he came back. He's like, oh, what's going on? And I was like, I don't know. There's an angry guy. We have to throw grenades in his hard drive to like throw off his like uh, data table. I don't know. We went through the entire boss fight, ending cutscene. Everything happened. We finished it. And I was like, so Dylan. Do you know what happened? He's like, uh, I know more from your shitty explanation at the beginning than anything that was resolved. So, so far, the story in Blobs 3 is absolute garbage. Um, I still give it a 3.5 rating. I give it a buy. Uh, it is uh, extremely good value for the, for the $60 full price. Um, and that kind of ties into our uh, games uh, for their value. Uh, because not only do you get... Um, a, a fairly competent story mode that has full four-player co-op. You get zombies, which everybody loves. Which um, you know, we went to an entire an entire event at Comic Con uh, talking about zombies, and you had fun there, right, Derek? 
Oh, it was super fun. It was really yeah. neat. I, yeah. I got to do, they had two, two different escape rooms just for Call of Duty zombies. And they actually announced it at Comic-Con, the, yeah. the zombies portion, because they put a, a kind of a renewed focus on the zombies portion. Um, so I got to do two different escape rooms. Uh, one of them, the, one of the dude, the, one of the dudes that joined Arrow this season was in the escape room with me. Oh, he's um, on Arrow now. Yeah, he's on Arrow now. He joined this season. Uh, I can't remember his name. Uh, but in any case, it was, a, he's, he's it was one a, of those. Um, I read an article on some, like, who does he bullshit? play? I don't know. <laughs> I don't, I haven't, I, I'm way behind on every show. I, I read an article years ago. It might've been, yeah, no, it was years ago. Um, called, uh, it was on some shitty clickbait website, like inverse or Buzzfeed or something. Uh, <laughs> Neil McDonough. Uh, oh, um, Damien Dark. Okay. <laughs> but the, the article was titled like, Oh, he's that guy, and it was just a bunch of character actors, and he's one of those, you know, character actors. Everybody recognizes his face. Nobody knows his name. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So if you read those shitty clickbait websites like Inverse and BuzzFeed and Uproxx, it's not very nice, man. I'm saying that specifically to see if somebody we know responds. Don't we all know that nobody listens to this podcast? Exactly. But anyway, um, so I still say that uh, uh, Cod Blobs Three is um worth the sixty dollars. Now um, put it in writing. Um I will put it in writing. Other than that, uh I finally fired up Fallout 4. And um I uh I would love for either of you to ask me how far I got in the game. Uh you're gonna be like four minutes. Uh I just left the vault. Okay. So it's pretty um, quick in this one, huh? Um uh, yeah. Um I, I spent a lot of time making my character. Oh and, you're gonna uh, wear a mask for the rest of the game. Really? You're never, you're never gonna see that. I mean, if you want the defense from the helmets and stuff, I haven't seen my character's face since like hour two. God, god damn it! I spent literally an hour and a half building my character's face. Have you ever played a Fallout game before? They always just wear face shit on their face. Uh, I don't. I spent like I was like, oh, I'll spend four minutes playing around with all the different features of the character creation, and now I'm done because I don't really care what he looks like because I'm never so, gonna see him. So. And anybody who was who was ever against me on the whole Gamergate saga last year, I whenever I have the option, I play as a female character. So you could kill I, her over know. and over. No, <laughs> <laughs> touche. Uh, that that might speak, um, you know, volumes for my in, internal sexual identity. But I feel like the Tumblr crowd would appreciate that. Um, but whenever I can, I play as a, a female character. And the first time that you could play as a fully voiced female character in Fallout, I was like, "Fuck yeah, bud." Let's let's do it. So I spent a long time. Well, it's, isn't this the first time? Didn't you, well, your character didn't really speak before. Yeah. But so it's the first time you're playing a voice character in Fallout. Did did they have females in Fallout Three? I pirated that game, so I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, so I spent a very long time building um, this character, and uh, that really sucks to to hear that um, she's going to wear a mask. I mean, you don't have to wear a mask. But some people put armor on and then when they're running around the cities and stuff, they put different clothes on. All right. Okay. You could do that at any time you want. So those are the games I played. Uh, what do you guys It's a great game, though. It's a great game. Mission objectives. Oh, anyway, last uh, Valve. Wasn't fix- it so. Uh, actually, we can't talk about it because spoilers. Yeah. Um, Never mind. Valve fixed the rifles and the pistols from last week. That I. <laughs> so anyway, that's the punctuation. Uh, oh, good. Derek, I'm having uh, trouble sleeping at night. Fuck you. Okay. Um, <laughs> granted, I, I I picked up fucking 
COD to play with my friend Dylan, and he's uh, working in a remote place now. He's got a job. I haven't talked. I literally haven't talked to him in in over a month. And we we get on uh, Skype and we start playing COD. And the first things out of his mouth is like, "So, dude, what's going on with Counter Strike? Like, tell me about <laughs> it." And I was like, "Oh, you were like, listen to my podcast." He he used to listen to our podcast like religiously, and he bought um Fantasy Life because of Josh's recommendation. But he stopped listening to it because all we fucking talked about were Amiibos and Nintendo, and that is a verbatim. I don't think that's uh, true at all. Uh, well. If you that, count up all the moments we talked about all things Nintendo and all the moments we talked about Destiny, like Nintendo would be not even on that. Like if you put it on a graph, you wouldn't even see the <laughs> Nintendo stuff. I feel like we tr- talked more about Destiny in a month than we did in a year about Nintendo. Right, there is, and this is this is legit, there's a $50 gift card to anybody that can tabulatize and graph the amount of uh, time we've spent talking on uh, Destiny versus Nintendo slash Amiibos. And I, Shane's, I, Shane's going to do it himself so he can procrastinate on his Call of Duty review. God and give himself $50. <laughs> anyway, Derek, um, tell us about Mission Objective last week and any responses you have. Yeah, so Mission Objective last week was, do you think that modern AAA game? and this is a great question, but do you think that modern AAA games uh, are typically worth their $60 asking price or $80 in Canada, more or less, and why? Uh as we spoke last week, I'm very. I think it's very relative. Um, but in any case, uh, as for responses, we got Eric F, uh, who said yes. Is, that, all is of, that our Eric F? It's inverses Eric F. Oh, okay, okay, good. <laughs> Just kidding. We love you, Eric. Uh, okay. Yes, all of the people making games put in long, exhausting hours and deserve a paycheck that reflects that. Of course, as the big publishers remain greedy, but that's another topic. Uh, Frank S. said, yes, $60 is nothing for hundreds of hours of entertainment. Um, so just so so that one leaves out uh, the Order 1886. So I was going to say, so <laughs> only, only Fallout and Xenoblade then? Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> Jonathan London said, whatever the price, Shane should have to pay more. Uh, our own Matt Rodriguez said, if a movie is only two hours of entertainment and costs $15, then we're getting a bargain at $60 for any video game that provides more than eight hours of entertainment, which is like 98% of them. Again, not, not the order 1886. <laughs> <laughs> I did have fun with that game, but just a few hours. Uh, Juan, Juan, our own Juan Carlos said, $60 in a bar- is a bargain and I have no problem with season passes if the content is worth the price. And that is what I have for responses. What about you, Josh? Because I have a fucking goddamn huge-ass page. So, well, you got, Josh? I don't have a lot of responses in number, but some of them are pretty long, thought-out ones. So, um, And this might be a bit of a repeat from what you just read, Derek, but um, our own Matthew Rodriguez commented on mine as well, who said, I think most, most all games are worth $60, but some are worth $60 more than others. It's kind of like <laughs> a good movie versus a bad Very movie. Poignant. That's the yeah. That's a great point. You're you know regardless of if it's a, I don't really know how to pronounce his name, but an U is it U bowl or Uve bowl? You know, regardless of if it's an Uve bowl film or whoever, you're still paying the same. Actually, I don't think his movies go to theaters, so that's a bad analogy. <laughs> they used to. Um, it's, it's- yeah, they used to, and you know, but regard, you know, if you're regardless if you're seeing something that's rated 100 percent on Rotten Tomatoes or a four percent movie on Rotten Tomatoes, you're saying paying the same price for a ticket. And yeah. I was, I was a, I was a, for the longest time, I was a huge defender of Uwe Boll uh, because he 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 played the German tax system and got these movie titles for super cheap, and they were all garbage. They were all garbage, but. Um, 
I always got this feeling that he was a competent director. And then he released um, Postal. Have any of you ever seen Postal? No, I didn't I watch seen it. it. No. I don't think I've seen any of his movies. I got a free T-shirt at com- at E3 one year advertising it, though. That's the dream right there. Yeah. I mean, um, I, I live off of free T-shirts. I love free T-shirts. <laughs> I, wouldn't, I wouldn't have any clothes to wear. If it I, barely, I, I very rarely actually wear T-shirts, but whenever I do, it's one I got for free. Um, <laughs> I, I got an amazing free T-shirt at... Um, uh, at Comic Con, um, but I, I believe I gave it to somebody's fiance. Yes, she wears it to bed sometimes. Weird because it's a porn company t shirt, but um, okay. Anyway, uh, <laughs> she's very progressive. But is she, she is. She is. Um, has her sister been asking about me? <laughs> no. <laughs> um, I, I totally forgot where I was going with this. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. What was I talking about? Josh was reading his responses finish i i i literally went completely i i went completely retardedly blackout i have no idea and then um matt continued to say i'm actually surprised that video games haven't went up in price but as i mentioned there is dlc um and then diana t said it varies on the game it's also based on the game's history generally 60 dollars is a good price point but as matt has said i'm surprised they haven't gone up uh edward t said I remember many moons ago, they asked us this question on G4, and they said that the $60 price point was due to most of us being suckered into paying for limited editions of regular games, which was only a $10 increase, and now here we are. Uh, They also argued that when you break it down by hour, video games are a bargain compared to other forms of entertainment like movies. $60 now, $50 then, broken down by the number of hours spent playing... Here we enter a different topic bit of discussion, single player hours versus multiplayer. Assuming this is getting games, analytical. Yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, assuming games last six to eight hours, we're looking at 10 to $7.50 an hour. When broken down like that and compared to movies, which can cost anywhere between 9 to $10 per hour, or even a theme park, video games are a good bargain. But the quality seems to be slipping significantly, and companies are heavily relying on DLC. It puts it up there with the likes of movies, theme parks, or a night at the club. Um, wow. And who wrote that again? Um, one of my good friends that I met on G4, actually, which uh, Edward T. Edward T., you are the, the Geekscape Games fan of the week, because that was a very well-thought-out and coherent uh, response. Yeah, I agree. You should hear and the I, next one. Whoa. <laughs> okay, so Andrew W. said, uh, the issue I Dicks. feel... <laughs> The issue I feel is the amount you have to shell out at the point of sale. I spend $10 on a bad movie. Hey, it was $10. I can spend $10 again on a different, better movie. I spend $60 on a bad game and I feel more ripped off. You can also that's, point to. That's a good point as well. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you can also point to productions as both movies and video game production costs have gone up. But again, the initial price points don't feel as harsh. Video games in the 90s ranged between $30 to $50 for inflation, uh, $50 to $80. While movies were around four to five dollars, spend four and the movie sucks. I don't feel as cheated as spending fifty dollars and a game sucks. Also, a game the games are shipping before they're finished. Imagine paying for a movie that had missing parts or the audio is screwed up. Would you stand for that? A game not quite ready. Companies now figure, oh, screw it, we'll patch it later. That's terrible service. Why would I pay sixty dollars for an incomplete product? Um, I think subscription-based video gaming, however, is a much safer bet. See Gamefly, uh, Redbox, and EA Access. $16 a month in the case of Gamefly, and I can try a game, hate it or love it, and send it back without much worry. Break down the $16 over the course of a month, 
uh, with a game that might suck, getting it, playing it for a bit, and sending it back. Let's say it takes about a week. That's $3 to try that game out. DLC, on the other hand, has been taking two different approaches. Pay for either extra content like future DLC. Want more game? Pay for it. I don't mind that approach because I'm paying for a mini game while within the original game. I don't feel ripped off because it's going to be within a game I already enjoy. No one's going to buy DLC for a game they think is terrible. And generally, the extra content is a decent amount, like Fallout 3 or New Vegas' extra content, for example. Then there's a pay-to-play method like Rockstar, who have been adding content to GTA Online for free, hoping people buy their shark cards, which I imagine they are given Rockstar is still making stuff for the game. Nice because I don't have to pay anything to enjoy the extra content. I can if I want to, but it's not necessary. And then Ben N said, I haven't bought a full-priced game at launch in seven years, and most of the time I will wait until the Game of the Year edition with the DLC included until I buy. But on Thanksgiving, I got Fallout 3 for 20 bucks with all the DLC, granted a seven-year-old Fallout title. Fallout 3? Yeah, oh, Fallout okay, 3. Yeah. I was saying, what the <laughs> fuck? <laughs> right. And then I'm planning to get a PS4 post-holiday madness, so I won't spend more than t- uh, and I won't spend more than $20 on a game. And then the last response, like which a I cheap think, asshole. <laughs> that sounds like me. Um, <laughs> and then the last and probably most poignant response in this whole thread was Jennifer H, who just said Steam sale. <laughs> That's funny. I, I met with a um, a financial planner slash life insurance life insurance agent today. And um, we were talking about budgeting, and um, he's a buddy of mine. And he's like, oh, let's talk about budgeting. It's like, you know, sometimes I, you know, live outside my means. Uh, you know those Steam sales, man. And he looked at me, he's like, I know those Steam sales, so I understand living outside your means. <laughs> um, my response is, um, I, got a, I got a lot. Um, I posted the question of the 907 a Gamers Facebook group. Uh, I've talked about them in the past. Um, Taylor C said, uh, uh, yes, uh, that's been going on the price of most games, uh, for probably close to two decades. He believes that they should stay at 60%. I responded with my argument is that the price, uh, of development has shot up in the last 10 years. I feel like they should be worth more. He responded with, you're saying games should cost more. I think it should MSRP more. If the cost is more, the cost to make battlefront two versus battlefront three are vastly different. Um, he agreed with that that sentiment. I don't know if he agrees with my original thesis. Then uh, Dodd F said, yep, they basically sell for less than games did back in the day since inflation and whatnot and are a million times better. Oscar uh, B-M said, no, not with them bleeding us to death with microtransactions. Takes season pass to do this. Takes DLC to do that. Takes a specific Mac pa- map pack to do the other thing. So no. Not really worth it since I'm I'm paying two to three times what the game is worth down the line just to get the full experience. And that started a huge tangent, and I'm going to try to uh, get the whole thing. Um, Adam K. said, To this goddamn day, <clears throat> if someone sold me Battlefront to the good one, I'd pay EA's price for it, no questions asked. Or Midnight Club 3, Dub Edition, the remix, or any PS2 game. I'll gladly pay $60 for those over again. <clears throat> Oscar responded again. And if anybody wants to check this out, there's a Facebook group, 907 Gamers. Look it up. There's uh, thousands of members. But Oscar B um, said, I pay $60 for Final Fantasy VII to this day. I will not, however, pay $60, then another $60, and then another $60 for which, uh, if you remember, the plan is um, they said they will re- the remastered re-release is coming out in um, 
segmented chunks. I don't believe that they'll be that they'll each be full retail price titles, though. Yeah, and I'm gonna I'm gonna truncate the conversation um, because him, Adam K, and I kind of went back and forth, and I said, you know, the um, and my thesis um, last week was the original statement was most likely a translation translation error. Say they said it would be released in chunks, and most likely meant they were going to ship it on multiple Blu-rays. And then there was a, an argument of how big a Blu-ray is. Adam K said, you know, a full-size Blu-ray is 128 gigs, but the PS4 can only read the 50 gig dual-layered Blu-ray and bunch of bullshit. Blah blah blah. Um, Eric S said, uh, de- uh, depends on the game. I feel like as long as I get one hour of decent playtime per dollar, it's okay. Microtransactions are cancer, though. It wouldn't be a huge deal if it were. Always just for cosmetic items, but it seems like even $60 games have been turning up into pay to win. Then Ty C said, uh, games like Witcher 3 and Bloodborne that have DLC well over the size of other games, yes. Games like Battlefront and COD, where the money grab every second they can, no. So I would say, you know, he's saying that they are not worth it, but games where, you know, the original experience plus the DLC is worth it. Um, then another, um, then Taylor C, um, came back again and he said, I have no problem with microtransactions as long as they don't directly affect how the game plays. Unfortunately, it seems like most do. Black Ops 3 is doing it right if you ask me. All of it is strictly visual items. Example given is gun camos and calling cards. Um, And then Oscar B-M said uh, Black Ops and Black Ops 2 were freaking lousy with DLC. Cost a small fortune to get all the maps. Uh, Robert B said $60 a game is why people modify consoles and pirate games nintendo only charges 50 which no they charge 60 for day one releases right like i i saw <clears throat> hyrule warriors for 60 dollars at target the other day is that correct yeah most of them are 60 but they do have certain ones that they end up selling for 50 or even 40 yeah. in some cases yeah um uh that doesn't make them that doesn't make nintendo immune and continues to win console sales console sales wars year after year Many Nintendo exclusives stay $50 even years after their release. This uh, Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword is a prime example. It didn't get a price cut until it won Player's Choice Award 2013 and 2014. I don't know, citation needed. Nearly three to four years after its debut. Today is still one of the highest priced retail games for the Wii. And then Taylor C came back again. I'm pretty sure Skyward Sword is still at least $40. Uh, Josh, you have any input on that on that statement? I'm not 100% sure, but I know Nintendo games like never go down in price unless... It's like you said, the gamers or the player's choice um, yeah. distinction. So, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised um, if it's still $50. I actually saw funny story. I went to Arizona a few years ago. This is maybe a good eight or nine years after the GameCube launched. And a Walmart that I walked into was selling a copy of Wave Race Blue Storm, which was a GameCube launch title for $50. <laughs> Jesus. I, I love seeing those, those random like Reddit posts where it's like, saw this game at Walmart and it was like, Final Fantasy XI for the PS2, and it's still listed for like the full retail MSRP when it came out years ago. I had a, I remember, I think it was in, during the, I think it was during the PS2 era, uh, but back at like in my hometown where I grew up, there was back when Zellers still existed, which was a big chain in Canada Zellers. until Target bought them out, which is now not in Canada. Um, uh, so a number of years ago, but it was a PS2 era that my local Zellers, they still had a copy of like some NBA game for Super Nintendo for like $70 or something like that. Really? Yeah. Interesting. 
Um, so the rest of that statement, um, Alex B came in here <clears throat> and he um, cited some interesting uh, statements from Valve. And he said, I can't dig up the link up at the moment, but Valve did a research a few years back that showed that a $40 price point generated greater revenue on new release than $50 did. And considering the actual physical cost of delivery via a platform like Steam is near zero, selling more units for ultimately more money, what, is, what about that is bad? Also, quote, disagreeing with how much money something costs doesn't mean anything if you buy anyways. I rarely buy games new. I wait till they go on sale and get them for about $30 to $40. Um, Adam B. said, they aren't really worth $60, but I'll pay it. They really aren't worth it when you pay $60 for a portion of the game, especially when it's multiplayer only, and then have to pay an additional $50 for the rest of the game. And that kind of like, <clears throat> um, I feel like parrots my original thesis um, and that's like the fifth time I said the word thesis in this podcast. Um, but my my original um, idea that uh, something like Battlefront, and that is the most recent example of a $110 game, uh, that I feel DICE probably left all this extra stuff out to try to get people to buy into the, the season pass and to get the expansions, because at the end of the day, the entire Battlefront experience was $110 but they know that a $110 MSRP game just wouldn't sell. Um, I don't know if I'm reading too much into to his comment, but um, maybe. Uh, then Robert B. said, it's all about how much they can rip from your wallet and keep you wanting more. The more we buy these, quote, AAA titles for too much money, the greeter these companies become. Quantity over quality, right? Uh, Clifford W. said, it's a ridiculous amount of money for something that depreciates so quickly, which I find is a extremely intelligent statement but then again uh that's part of the reason why it's so expensive 10 years ago games were 50 dollars. no clifford they were still 60 dollars um wait 10 years ten, ago no, yeah 10 years the, ago they were 50 no no hun hun when did the xbox 360 come out the xbox 360 came out 2005 and perfect wait. dark and cameo were both 50 bucks okay fuck you but Ooh. okay <laughs> <laughs> um $10 in 10 years really isn't that bad. Games are being ripped, uh, ga- gamers were, games were being ripped off left and right, just like the movie industry. The fluctuation is because over that, over 200 million PS4s were sold. Uh, he's, he's getting bad sentence structure. But like with the PS3, it became, uh, it became a do-all. Netflix, Hulu, Amazon, Blu-ray. People are buying less games for the consoles because these things are used for, because they're used for other things. So the industry has to compensate. What will happen is that either the DLCs will start becoming more expensive to keep the full game at its current price, or the other way around. Is it a lot of money? Yes. Should they charge that much? Yes. Would I still pay that much for a game if I can afford it? Yes. Um, Clifford W., you seem to be a com- complete like back and forth uh, enigma. I don't. It's late. It is currently twelve thirteen Alaska time, one thirteen Pacific Standard Time. So I'm gonna. I I'm wish gonna it was twelve thirteen. Uh, Dustin L said, people are still buying them. You don't like Battlefront for $60 price tag. Don't buy it, which I feel like um, Parrot's Derek's analogy from last week is adapter fuck off, which I used on Reddit a bunch of times and it got upvoted. So thank you, Derek. I appreciate that. No problem, man. Uh, le- uh, then uh, Oscar B-M went back into the comment thread. So let me say this. I miss Blizzard. Classic Blizzard. The company that used to delay game releases past the holiday deadlines in order to complete a fun, immersive, compelling, replayable game. A game that they sold expansions to, which were a large part as original and cheaper to. Um, I mean, we're almost done here. Sorry, everybody. 
Uh, then uh, Devin G said, well, if we could have kept up with the inflation, we would be paying 80 to $90 for a complete game. That's why so many are incomplete, which, agree or disagree, I feel like parrots my original, um, again, thesis. Of with it, most people, most developers are pulling content out and pushing out as DLC. Uh, and then Oscar BM said, actually, pre-orders are more like more likely to blame there. Uh, see, they're getting their money before they do any actual work. Once you've already invested in the product, they know they can jerk around for a few more dollars. Additionally, the fact that they can now, quote-unquote, fix mistakes with patches makes it so they are not nearly as focused on quality control. Sorry, I must strongly, strongly disagree. And that's something that um, when the original, the original Xbox came out with built-in hard drive, there was a fear that... Um, uh, console games would start shipping incomplete because you could download and patch the games, which hasn't that basically happened now? Yeah, uh, yeah absolutely. That's like the norm now. Yeah. Um, then Dot F said Nintendo games were over fifty bucks brand new. We're lucky. We're lucky, really, that games aren't more expensive, considering they include much more graphically and otherwise. And then I responded with Final Fantasy three was ninety dollars in the SNES. He said. Yeah, that's why I got to know when people saying the games are overpriced. They obviously don't remember buying old school games for just as much. And then Oscar B hyphen M, he needs to be our new MVP MVP of the month. Seriously, I do not mind buy, not I do not mind paying top dollar provided that I'm actually getting a full game experience in exchange. Especially with the limited income I am on now, it's freaking irritating to come out of pocket forty to fifty dollars just to have to spend an additional twenty to thirty for the stuff that I should have been included with the game. An additional fifty and twenty five for map, map packs and countless microtransactions that you use to the things you historically should have earned. Robert B said, "You guys remember the Square, sorry, Square Enix merger? Before that happened, damn near all SquareSoft and uh, Enix titles, mostly RPG, had a price tag of seventy nine ninety nine. And you know what? They still hover in that range today. Almost twenty years later, how much is your copy of Blob Street going to resale for in twenty thirty five? I doubt it'll be much." If any, Final Fantasy III will most likely be at least $100 by then, which only strengthens my argument about the quality of Nintendo games. And that is the last statement we got. Um, <laughs> I mean, that wasn't, a, that wasn't a Nintendo game, so... No, but uh, <laughs> I, I, had, I, had, I had three quick comments that I wanted to make, and they're all comments I've made before based off of those responses. Yeah. It was just that, one, the pre-order thing, like... It sounded like he was describing more like a Kickstarter scenario than a pre-order scenario because with the pre-orders, again, you could just—it's not really a sale. You can cancel it whenever you want. Yeah. Um, what was the other thing? Um, oh yeah, two. I can swear, and I might be completely wrong on this, but and I, I hear it all the time that like old games, like Super Nintendo games and Nintendo games, are like eighty, ninety bucks. But I, I don't remember that actually being the case. I remember that being the case because to hell with MSRP, like mom and pop shops and video games were still such a niche thing that mom and pop shops would sell it forever for whatever they wanted or even some like retail chains. But I remember going like my mom used to always get my games for me at the time from like Toys R Us and Toys R Us were always just like 50 bucks, like no matter what the game was. And like and, I said, and I see, could be. And I, I would, I would say that, you know, not to, not to marginalize your experience uh, because this is gender fluid podcast. <laughs> uh, justice warriors and gamergate uh do not uh, do not attack um but um pansexual um i am all sexual um if it feels good do it is my motto and that has gotten me in trouble so many times in the past i'm gonna i have to edit that out um <laughs> hold on you had a footnote edit that out uh, <laughs>
But uh, um, I never really was conscious or like like focusing on the the SNES era. Um, that time, my uh, parents were buying all my games, and they bought a lot of my N sixty four games, which is when I really started to focus on uh, prices and everything. Um, but even back then, I knew that games like Final Fantasy three were ninety dollars, and every time I saw it out, it was ninety dollars. And um, uh, since then, I, I I've and I, this might be similar to YouTube, but I've tried to consume a lot of online media. The whole retro gamer, you know, like the angry angry video game nerd, um, talking about old bad games and retro gaming, like Games Eighty One. You know, all these countless YouTube channels. Um, everybody kind of says the same thing that you know there was some SNES games like Final Fantasy III that everywhere the MSRP was $90. So when I go into that argument, I think uh, from all these independent people saying it was so expensive, and it might not, might not necessarily be that, you know, this random mom, mom and pop shop or, you know, these, these um, uh, independent, you know, big chains charge so much for it. So that's, that's my point of view. Right. And I like, I generally remember them being 60. I remember it being weird because like Super Nintendo was 60 and then N64 was, I remember being 60. And then like PS1, which my third point as I was going to make is, I don't know if I misunderstood it, but the Square Enix thing. Cause I remember like Square's games are, I think the multi-disc ones are like 50. And then like their single disc games were 40. Like a lot of PS1 games were 40. I remember. See, like, I, I remember, I remember N64 games mostly being $50, but I remember Turok was $70 and I, and I didn't pick that game up until it was like on super, super sale. Right, right. Yeah, like so, I don't even remember. I just remember it being 60, but who knows? Maybe it's just different places. have. And maybe, like, and maybe um, Google false memories and the, the uh, anyway, never mind. Um, so mission objective of the week is forget 2015. What is your most anticipated game of 2016? Josh, go. Um... Probably. Make it quick because I have to piss really bad. <laughs> um, probably Zelda, Star Fox, um, yeah, and Final Fantasy Explorers surprisingly looks really good. What? No, what is Final Fantasy Explorers? It's essentially Monster Hunter with Final Fantasy monsters and characters. Oh, sign me the fuck up! Oh, and Derek, you know, too. Who? Who cares? Is that, is, was that confirmed for 2016? About? I'm I'm confirming it for 2016. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Oh my god, I love you, Josh. Uh, Derek, what's your 2016 game of the year? Or not game of the year? I'm not calling game of the year yet. Gravity Rush 2, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, new IPs, I'm going to go with uh, probably either Firewatch or Horizon Zero Dawn. I forgot all about Firewatch. It looks great, though. Did, did you see the 20 the minute intro? No, is there a 20 minute intro? Uh, the first 20 minutes of the game are, are um, seen on GameSpot's YouTube channel, and I was going to post it, but I had clients come in at work and I forgot about it. And I'm sorry. I, I'll have to watch it. Uh, so, an existing IP, I would probably say either Zelda or Nino Kuni 2, apparently. Um, I would like to say on the Firewatch um, statement that, um, um, that uh, it felt very Portal 2. Where the back and forth with, um, if anybody knows what Firewatch is, you play as a character who is a Firewatch ranger in the middle of a national forest, and you have a radio with um, somebody back at home base. Uh, watch the trailer. If you can go to GameSpot's YouTube channel, watch the first 20 minutes. doesn't really spoil it much. Um, 
but a very, very portal to the back. That sounds great. I'm totally into that. Yeah. Yeah. It's it, 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 the, the first 20 minutes that I saw sold me on the game. I, and I was already sold on the trailer, but the first 20 mm-hmm. minutes of gameplay that I saw sold me on the game. The, the, the writing seemed, 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 it seemed really tight. The dialogue was amazing. The performances yeah, totally. between two characters, perfect. So well, um, I, I think the thing that made me, makes me the most excited for it is it just looks extremely unique. Yeah. Like, like from the kind of cell shady graphics to the, like, like exactly what you're doing around the environment. It just looks totally different from anything I've played in a very long time. Um, it, and it, it reminds me of Wreck-It Ralph for some reason. It, yeah, I could see that a little bit. Yeah. Right. Yeah. In, in any case, that's, it's, it's definitely up there for me. Um, the only thing that like when, when I saw this mission uh, objective that popped in my head um, was um, the division. Uh, I love Tom County games. Isn't that supposed to be a 2015 game? It was supposed to be like an end of 2014 game. Right, right. Yeah, and they just um, pushed the beta to next year as well. Yeah, they did. Uh, and I hope it comes out next year. But um, it looks it looks amazing. I love I love the 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 setting where it's this post flu pandemic, uh, and you play this like you know secret organization. I feel like it's going to be like Destiny, where the the mechanic is good enough that the constant grind is going to make up for the fact that there's not going to be a whole lot of content. But but uh, um, it looked beautiful. Uh, everything looked amazing. And it, 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 I was ready for it to fuck. I was ready to buy it day one, 2014. So I, I hope it comes out 2016 because uh, I'm going to buy it because it, it was amazing. And of course, Zelda Wii U. Um, I guess that's it, right? I hope so. Yeah, that's it. Um, it, uh, this was level fifty eight, <laughs> level fifty eight of the Geeks Games Geekscape Games podcast. Um, Geeks oh, around the site, quick, Derek. Oh, right. Uh, obviously, I'm going to say our huge and fantastic uh, uh, holiday wish list piece from. Uh, it just got published a couple days ago. Instead of the traditional, hey, give, here's our gift guide uh, for all the people that you love, we flipped it on its head and. Uh, listed the stuff that we would like to receive for the holiday season. So if you're reading Geekscape, you know anybody that is like any of our writers, uh, they'll probably like the same stuff. And there were some really interesting items in there. Uh, it was a blast to put together, and it's a it's a great read. Yeah, um, I wasn't surprised by anything that you put, but everybody else, um, I know Natalie Kipper. Uh, you weren't surprised by my the things I put? No, like that just everything that you put there screamed Derek, and I wasn't surprised. Um, I saw stacks I do, from a mile away. Yeah, I, that, I actually just copied it, and I I actually wrote that in there, but I just copied and pasted my sax uh, piece from last year because <laughs> every man needs them. Absolutely, um, it's life changing underwear. I love Natalie Kipper's. Uh, they don't even for, sponsor the show. Yeah. Uh, her request for world peace. I thought that was adorable. Um, and, and I don't want to toot my own horn, but I felt like I had the most unique spread of items. I feel like I had the most unique spread of items from underwear to bed sheets to something that was actually geeky to light bulbs. <laughs> okay. Fuck you. Uh, Josh, what is your, um, around the site? I make it um, because I got to piss so bad. <laughs> my around the site would be Matt's piece on, the new legendary Pokemon Volcanion is finally confirmed, so which means we're not going to get it for another five years. <laughs> and uh, of course, to toot my own horn, my um, around the site was my Monday music on uh, a new album from Telepath in that quirky, weird genre known as vaporwave. I really get into it. 
check it out. Um, and that's my new go-to uh, genre uh, of uh, EDM. And actually, I've been writing uh, some vaporwave music in Ableton. Uh, you'll never hear it because nothing is ever good comes out for me. Um, as always, you can find us on geekscape.net. You can follow us hey, at Geekscape like Games. Days. Follow me at Shane O'Hare on Twitter. Uh, I'm SS Jaken on gaming platforms. Uh, I'm at D Cranavelt on Twitter and uh, Captain K17 on everything else. There you go. Oh, that's awesome. I love you guys so much. Thank you for visiting us for the world record winning, world record winning two day long spanning podcast of Geek Games. We'll see you guys back here next week. Bye, everybody. Bye.